Welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left for Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. We are not a spoiler-free podcast, so make sure you've seen the movie or movies we're talking about before you listen. I'm one of your hosts, Ray. And I'm your other host, Chris. And we're back in Abaddon, New York. And we're on the Lake of Fire. And it's nice and cozy. And, and it's burning. And it's, it smells like sulfur, if you're into that kind of thing. And yes, we here. We're... We are, we are, we are live. We are on the eve of the premiere of, of, uh, Insomnia. Uh, it's, uh, what's his name? Russell Wynn. What are, hey, we just, we just met him. He's great. And, uh, we're very excited to report, um, on the ground right now. Chris, I love your cold opens. Um, <laughs> so we're back and we're finishing the trilogy of Hell House. And... I have opinions. Mm, good opinions. Bad opinions. <laughs> I'll just go into it straight away. The second one, Hell House LLC, Abaddon Hotel. That one is a f- very fine follow-up to the first one. I still think the, f- the first one is the strongest of the three. Um, but it is, a, it is a good follow-up to a really great seemingly like fantastic found footage film i have no real qualms with the second one they repeat a lot of the same gags as the first one which is fine because it's it's sort of like this is the vibe of the hotel we get it it's okay it's also a vibe about the storytelling and how they and how like the mythos of the hotel and how everything unfolds i get it they do the same things but they do them like a little bit differently we'll get into it so that one's fine the third one I hate. <laughs> There's a reason why I've always only watched the third one once because I thought the ending was cheap. And I even went back today and watched all three movies to try and get a cohesive timeline together. This, these movies need to get their dates right and get their shit together because there's something really off about the timing of all of this. And we'll get into that too once we get towards the end. But yeah. I I'd ag- I agree. Um, the second film, the Abaddon, the Abaddon tapes. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, it's called no. No, the second one's called the uh, uh, Hell House LSC Two, the Abaddon Hotel. Um, in in, uh, in the world fiction, uh, or the wor- within the lore of the of the the movies, they call it they call the second movie. Or the documentary of the second movie, the Abaddon tapes. Uh, it was pretty good. Um, again, like I, I agree with Rye. It not, I guess, recycle. Maybe not. Maybe recycle is not the right word. But I can't really think of anything else right now. But like, it just re recycles some of the tropes, uh, some of the formula of the first film that made it such a viral runaway hit. Um, and that's fine. I mean, um. I mean, the first Hell House had a definite style, had a definite flair. Uh, if you listen to our previous episode, we characterize it as this uh, really effective uh, experiment into low, uh, into tension, um, using like smart, low-budget tricks, and um, uh. And not it's just building the story over time and uh holding that tension 
um, till the very last moment. And I, we get that here as well. Um, I did think that the second movie was of lesser quality than the first. And the third movie, which tries to tie all three movies together into this one uh, denouement, this this one um, sort of climax or endgame type of story. Uh, I thought it was weak. I, 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 saw, I, I would say that uh, it seemed at force and i the the ending did seem cheap it it seemed it seemed like it what the ending didn't was too uh was undeserved um and i wasn't i mean like the uh, granted like the third movie it had some really good scares i'll give it that like i uh, i feel like some of the, it had some of the most effective scares in the entire trilogy but in terms of the story uh, especially how the ending wrapped up, um, I thought it was just like, oh, uh, it, it was just like, a, it seemed like a lackluster way to end, uh, seemed sort of like a cop-out to me, um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. So, I was like, meh, on the third one, um, except there's a couple moments where I, I was like, legitimately like, uh, impressed and horrified by like some of these uh experiments in detention because i i still think it uh had had its moments of preserving uh what made the first film great but uh i didn't think it entirely uh, stuck the landing but th those are my thoughts of, about it i I agree with you. I think that a common critique of this movie of the second one is that you don't spend as much time with the characters as you do in the first one. And I know that that was a harsh critique that a lot of people had with it. But I don't see it as a detriment. I see it as a logical step because the first one was about this particular group and their experiences and our experiences watching them go through the hotel and watching them from inception to to creation and all of the things in between so you had time to sit with these people because it was their story there are so many different timelines that they are talking about and addressing in the second one that they're right we don't spend a lot of time with these characters but i don't think it, we need to and i don't see it as a detriment i see it as a very logical progression of storytelling because then it would literally be a shot by shot sequel of the first one and that would be extraordinarily boring and dumb and uh so that that doesn't bother me so much i do like that this sort of adds more mythos and detail that you didn't have in the first movie especially expanding upon uh, andrew tully like they, they explored so much lore to that which i appreciated yeah i appreciated that too and especially the ending was a repeat ending like oh they've been dead the whole time but what I found more satisfying about it was her death, because A, you saw it, and it wasn't her getting smashed in the head with a camera. The first time it was shocking. You were like, oh shit. Um, and it left something to be desired in the first one, not in a bad way, like you wanted more. You were like, how does this work now? And you do 
at the end of the at the end of the second one, you do get a better understanding of how it works. Um, it's sort of like Tully and the hotel choose which residents are permanent and which one are sort of um, ethereal in the sense that they can come and go and check in and out as they please and bring more people back. Which you saw a couple of people do that in the movie. Yeah, they're yeah they're really dead, but they're they have this sense of unlife where their only job is to bring more people to the hotel, like more souls for the lake of fire. Right, and I, that that's fine by me. I I'm totally I'm totally okay with that. Shockingly enough, it's just that third one, man. Oh my god, I can't. And I'm I'm honestly let's hang on to the second one for a while because I'm just gonna dump all over the third one. Okay, well, how about we provide a plot synopsis for the second one? Let's let's do a synopsis for the second one. Uh, okay, so we have eight years after a hotel's tragic opening, an investigative journalist is convinced key evidence remains in the abandoned hotel. She assembles a team to help her break into the building to find the truth and shed light on the mystery. And they all die. Yeah, spoilers. They all die. I, I thought that it was all spliced together well. I thought. I didn't think any one character was particularly more compelling than the other. They were all on pretty even ground, which I can understand after a movie like Hell House would irritate some people. So I get it. I get it. Um. It, this movie starts off with the show called Morning Mysteries and more interviews. And uh, it's it's taking place a year or two after Abdo- after the first one, after Hell House. And it, it was it was after uh, Diane and her cameraman disappeared. So like the main actors of um, the the second movie, it intercuts with. The Morning Mysteries talk show with footage of the investigative team. So you had, um, you you had the proprietor, like the the mayor, the mayor of Abaddon, uh, who we see eventually. Spoilers that is actually Andrew Tully. Um, you had. Oh yeah, he's acting as the lawyer for the estate of the Abaddon Hotel, but he's actually Andrew Tully. Exactly, yes. Uh, so it's all MacGuffin. Uh, and then you had uh, Mitchell, who was the last surviving documentarian of the previous uh, work. Um, and uh, he was colleagues with Diane. Um, and I don't remember the camera guy's name. Jonathan. Jonathan, that's right. And then, and then you had uh, the psychic, the medium um brock davies brock davies so yeah so they're discussing um you know the the mysterious past about abaddon hotel so they they cover uh you know alex and his team they they cover uh smaller snippets um of like teenagers trying to break in um you know and visit the hotel whether on a dare they mentioned someone who tried to burn the building down so that they 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 intercut or they try to accentuate the mystery and the mythos of the house by intercutting more mysterious uh disappearances 
Uh, I think one of them was also what's his name? Uh, Billy. It was like Billy something. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was like a famous YouTuber who uh makes his all his entire channel uh breaking into like abandoned houses or creepy um just creepy sites and live streams his uh experiences on youtube and he disappeared so um so it just provides a little bit more uh background into or it adds more incidents into its orbit now, of the two of the two videos that they shared of the two kids sneaking into the Abaddon Hotel, the YouTuber, live streamer, Twitcher, whatever the hell you want to call him, um, his freaked me out more, and I will tell you why. There is nothing more unnerving than just seeing a pair of legs on stairs and having them just not move. Or worse, if they take a step towards you or a step up, which I fully expected, but it didn't happen. The scene is just so filled with tension, especially because the kid says, okay, I'll go now. And the camera never moves. And they tell you that it stayed on that spot on those legs until the phone died. But the kid was never seen from again. And that is a horror. That is a haunting ass image. That, that was the creepiest part. That was the creepiest part of those two kids for me. Yeah, they were saying how the camera focused on that one shot for, like, a while until the ba- his battery ran out, and then it just, you know, just died. So, uh, I don't know, maybe, like, the spirit, like, hypnotized the kid into not being able to move, and he, he just he just stayed there until he died. Or We battery. may never know. We never know. <laughs> his body never was found. Here is my problem with this movie, and this sort of goes... This sort of ties all three of them in together. I wa- Like I said, I rewatched all three of them because I tried to get a cohesive timeline together of when all of this was taking place. Because there are years that they have in the text and then there are years like on camera and things like that. So I tried to piece everything together. And this timeline makes no fucking sense. <laughs> None whatsoever. Wait, just, I mean, just the second movie or just all three combined? The All three of them combined. The timeline makes no sense. Supposedly, this whole thing started with Hell, with Hell House to create the Abaddon tapes. And this whole thing started in 2009. Okay? And then, if you look at the, at the bottom of the screen, the Morning Mysteries segment is taking place in 2017. And then before that, the text that pops up that says Russell Wynn of Wynn Media has been pull has been piecing footage together for two years leading up to this so somewhere in there post documentary this came out like there was a documentary on hell house that came out so i guess that was in what 2011 or some shit a kid went missing in 2016 we saw his video he's the one that sits crying in a corner that got taken the Morning Mystery segment is in 2017. But then at the end of the sequel, but at the end of Abaddon, Tully says that they've been in business since he died. They've been in business for 30 years. Tully died in 89, which means the second one should be taking place in 2020 if it was 30 years, because that's when I was born and I'm 30. <laughs> and... Continuity, what's that? <laughs> Lake of Fire takes place in 
2018. So this is just all over the fucking... <laughs> right, and the documentary that Lake of Fire is based on is taking place in 2019. So this timeline is just completely fucked up. I don't know what's happening in this movie. I mean, I, I guess because, like, well, when, when Shudder picked it up and they produced... Or I guess, no, well, Shudder distributed uh, the the second or the second and third one i think it's the the publication company or studio was still terror films so i don't know if the the writing team or production team was radically different between uh two and three and one by the same guy oh is it so maybe it's just really sloppy writing yeah he should know his own fucking timeline especially I think it's really sloppy, especially considering the fact that Max, the the guy who is playing Metastopheles in Faust in Lake of Fire, when they go through the initial um, introductory walkthrough, he was like, oh yeah, Hell House was 10 years ago. So if they were filming that in 2018 and Hell House was 10 years before that, that means Hell House was in, 20, was in 2008. But it even says very explicitly it took place in 2009. Uh, dates. What, what, what do they matter? Dates don't matter to Andrew Tully. Andrew Tully just wants souls. I know it's so minute, but it really, like, it just, it was driving me crazy because there's no reason to put dates on everything and mention the amount of time that has passed if you're not going to be consistent. Yeah, and especially if you're trying to be a mock documentary where right. dates and timelines and piecing together clues are very important. <laughs> But why not? <laughs> but even but even with all of that, the worst thing about this trilogy is still the third one. And I, I think it really it really hurts that from its inception, these movies were going to be a trilogy. So if you knew that from the jump, how could you like I just the I, the it was a limp dick payoff. It was like shoom. I was just it was so I was so unhappy with the third one, but yeah. So Wait, are we jumping ahead to third one already? <laughs> no, we can't because I'll just—I'm just, just going to continuously shit all over it. I do think that a nice touch in the second one, when they were fleeing for their lives, was on the chalkboard. They have the check it. They have all the rooms that everyone's supposed to stay in, including Russell Wynn, who wasn't there yet, which I thought was a nice touch. And they end the the second one with. Russell Wynn going to be on the show like she teases it like next week I'll talk to Russell Wynn of Wynn Media and why he's moving his show Insomnia out of New York City or whatever the fuck it was and then yes. that's the whole premise for the third he made movie. a deal right he made a deal um and then there was a priest and there ugh, it was just it was such a yeah anyway um let's go back to the second one because I went off on a very bad tangent about timeline. That was my big problem. So I'm done now. I'm done with my tangent. I went on my timeline tangent. I'm done. <laughs> but it was madding, maddeningly inconsistent. And it was really annoying me. I mean, I, I, I get that. It's, a, it's supposed to be documentary. It's supposed to... It's supposed to be... Especially... Well, I, actually, I had a question. So... So this movie was always meant to be a trilogy. Well, what yeah. I thought was supposed to happen, I thought I thought like the first movie was just like a runaway hit. It's like, oh, great. Well, let's try to squeeze in two movies uh, and try to make it all work. Kind of like how the, the Matrix happened, where you know the Wachowskis 
created this really great um, piece of cinema, and it was a runaway hit, a uh, sleeper hit, if you will. Uh, and they were like, shit, well, we need to... <laughs> this made a shit ton of money. This, get, this got a, a ton of praise. We need to squeeze in some more movies. So they, they kind of hastily wrote together Reloaded and Revolutions. And while they're... While the, they're decent movies, like some of it was really ham fisted to make it all fit. And that's that's how I felt exactly with the Hell House trilogy. Um I I personally uh reviewing all three movies, like yes, I I like the lore, I love the scares. I thought there were some really cool scares in the second and third one. I personally would have just loved it. It was just one movie. That that's just me. No, no, I agree with you. If Hell House had stood by itself, it would be perfect. And I think that that it would have been fine just as it is. Um, but yeah, it was always intended to be a trilogy. So they were always going to do three movies, which, again, makes the third one all the more disappointing. Yeah, because like, it's just like the quality of the writing, like, degraded, like, be- between each movie. And yeah. I don't, I don't know if they wrote themselves into a corner between like or especially after the second movie uh but yeah that's well yeah because after they wrote into the second at the end of the second one where they were like well russell so-and-so russell so-and-so is going to move his show into like out of new york now what you could have done is you could have just sort of left it at that like the third one didn't have to be about russell Wynn. You could have just heard that and then gone, uh-oh, we're going to have another Hell House incident. And then made the third one some weird blend of the, t- of the first two, where you're focusing on something, but it ties into something else. And maybe that tie-in to something else could be whatever Russell Wynn was doing. And the main focus is on whatever the main portion of the movie was going to be. I don't know. But it didn't have to be what it ended up being. I just think that it was, um, it was really weak. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's let's dial it back. What do you enjoy? What do you enjoy most about the second film? I like the the seemingly wipe ease transition at the end when they reveal before they reveal how she came to be sitting down at that station. Yeah, the because, police station. Yeah. Um, I like how you see that she's dead and then it flips back to how it happened. Um, I thought all of that was really great. There, there were times where the back and forth was like, Oh, okay. I see what's happening. We're back to this now. And this is happening then. Oh, okay. I get it. Okay, fine. There was a little bit of that where I was like, uh, my brains are like fried eggs. I need to slow down for like a hot second. But I think one of my favorite moments was with the annoying ass Brock Davies. Um, <laughs> I fucking hated his character, but I think you're. Oh, and he, to. he got a justice nerd. So he did. He it, did. It was great. But that whole scene was perfect. So they go in, and he's doing his douchey thing, and the noose has come down, and then he puts his planchet on the table, and the girl whose back has been to us this entire time all of a sudden turns around. And then she stands up and then she's around the fucking corner. That whole sequence was a fucking plus. The gimmick with the clown, that clown is still creepy as fuck, but it takes me out of it when I watch his head turn. 
Because yeah, so you already you already got exposed to it in the first film, so it doesn't. Well, it's we never got exposed to him physically turning his head. We got exposed to him moving, um, and not watching the motion happen. There's something that takes you out of the moment when that happens. But I'll tell you what always makes me sit there and hold my breath, and will scare the bejesus out of me till the end of time, is when they're trying to find a way out. And they find themselves walking through, I guess there's that wire fence. And they have between the souls that are very obviously trapped there and the dummies from Hell House still stuck. And you're sitting there trying to figure out who's who. And then she blinks. Oh my God. You sit there and you're like, no, 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 please, please don't do this. Don't go through there. Just find another way. Find it. No, no, no. Because you know one of those fuckers is alive and it's coming after them. And it's her. And she, oh, oh, it gives me the goosebumps every fucking time. Ah! And then, of course, the end bit with the dining room table and how you see Mac and Alex just sitting there and you can see the rope burns around their necks. It was just, it was very well crafted and laid out and very well done. That was probably my favorite scene. Like, just, uh, um, Angie Tilling, Beckett, like, Mitchell... To sit down and he starts to explain. be my guest, be my guest. Yes. I was like, it's oh. like, oh, this is great. I, I love it. And, you know, just just explaining like, oh, yes, I found the gateway and we found the lake of fire and we need more souls. And then like that, that, this, like that terrible. We are Legion. Yes. And like that terrible decision where like. He's he's like he's like he's like oh Mitchell who who will live who will die who will get out of here and then like then um oh uh, the girl oh what's her name uh Molly. Molly like she she ends up getting killed pretty Molly and then she becomes like the next agent to go out into the world no Molly becomes a permanent resident in the hotel so she's trapped there forever oh, that's true that's right yes it's. Jessica Fox, who was the head of the inside, the little vice spinoff that gets chosen to go out into the world. And that's who we're watching at the police station on camera. I think any scene with me and Tully, because that actor just used the scenery so much. I was like, yeah, this guy's great. <laughs> I, thought he, I thought this guy's clearly the best actor in, the, in this film. So I think it was the second one. I'm pretty sure it's the end of the second one where Mitchell is walking through the hotel. Um, oh, right. I, yeah, it is the second one. It's right before he gets to the dining room with everybody. There's a girl that is sitting in the hallway on her phone. And it's Melissa, the scare actress from the first one. And she's sitting there and she's like, no, mom, I already told you we're already dead. And her voice distort. I was like. And it just becomes it. It gets just lower and like it has like multiple octaves and it's like overlaid. I love that effect. It's like simple and cheesy, but it's a great effect. Exactly. But and you already know she's dead, and that doesn't bother me because I was like, oh, she's harmless. Like nothing's gonna happen. I was like, she was a nice girl. She was fine. She was one of the good ones. <laughs> and then it goes, no, mom, we're already dead. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm staying here forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. So, I th yeah, I think that there were some really good quality moments in this movie. In case you couldn't tell, we found our favorite bits. Like, we, there are parts of this that I do thoroughly enjoy. I have seen the second one multiple times. I think the... The first one's still the, the strongest. Was, was, 
it's definitely the strongest. Second one, uh, it's good, not as good as the original, but it's it's, it's just it's it's ahead of the third one. The one thing that I that I felt really that that really took me out of the the viewing experience and what was the scene where in the basement where like the portal gets opened up, like I know. Like the CGI was like very cheap, very bad, and very bad. Um, I I don't know why. I think, I mean, I think there's could. I mean, I I felt like that with the with the indie low budget feel. Like I felt like they could have done another way of implying that the portal, the gate was opening without resorting to the cheap CGI. They could have just you know, f- like, focused on um, someone's face, and they could they could have did, like, a, a giant flare. You could see in the reflection of their face, like, some glowing red uh, horrific b- soar into reality. But I just, I could not take it seriously at how bad the CGI was when the portal to hell opened up. It's like, oh, okay, no. So... You mean the scratchy Latin of the door is open on the wall wasn't enough? We had to see the door open. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like yeah, I was like even even uh, I mean the the third one is a bigger sin of that because like you see the camera fall and then you see Russell and Andrew Tully fight as as the as the port of the hell opens and as the basement's just to crumble around it and like the CGI is really Horrific. bad there. And it's like Horrific. Oh. It's like uh <laughs> News flash in the third one, the literal lake of fire engulfs the hotel. Yes. Yeah. I, I well, felt they had like to get rid of it somehow. Given like the indie low budget feel, they they I don't think CGI was the way to go. It just really took me out of the immersion and it just it felt so disjointed it just felt so visually different from like the rest of the field of the movie and it's just it's like okay this this is terrible cgi I, I can't get over it so that was like my biggest gripe with the second uh film but does the sequel hold water against its predecessor i think so i i, I think um yeah i mean i think in general i think it it, it was a worthy successor and then i think it expands the lore in interesting ways and it also it um it just expands with how malevolent and hungry the house is especially adding those extra snippets of um between the two teenagers and yeah i don't i think i think it was good i think it was a good sequel uh not perfect it was definitely better than the third and i feel like we should you know move into the third just to express, because we've been talking the entire episode how much we don't like the third. Well, that, I mean, yeah. So I'll 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 say this for my last thought on the second one. There are rare times when a sequel outdoes the original, which this one by no stretch of the imagination does, but it matches up to the first one, which again is also a rare quality in sequels. And I think there's something to be said for that. It expands on the lore of everything and i don't apart from the bad cgi i don't think it cheapens the first one at all i think it adds something to the whole mythos surrounding all of this and i think that in that respect it was successful 
unlike the third one, <laughs> which was just garbage. <laughs> well, do we have a recap, a synopsis for this <laughs> piece of garbage? We do have, we do, we do, we do. <laughs> Fry's, Fry's looking so pained right now. <laughs> I do, this pains me to do this because... I know I've said this like offhandedly in multiple other episodes where it has no, where we have talked about found footage and talked and like briefly mentioned Hell House. And I've said how much I hate the third one. Okay. A host takes his show into an abandoned hotel that is rumored to be haunted. Does that sound boring to you? Because that's about how bad the movie is. It sounds, yeah, it's, uh, it's brief to the point. <laughs> because they couldn't think of anything nice to say, so they just didn't say anything at all. Because I have nothing nice to say about this movie. I think that, like I said before, I don't think it needed to surround the whole mysticism of Russell Wynn and this wealthy arsehole. I think that making it known that he got into a car accident and actually died and was brought back and all of a sudden became an angel of God... And he was the only person that could close the fucking... What the... Like, what the fuck were they thinking? This whole movie just makes me so angry, Chris. I hated it. I hated it. They did have some... I'll say this. They had some good jump scares. That was it. They had some really good jump scares. Um, but I think I think they, they tried really hard to create the actual narrative, a reflection of the meta-narrative meta about Faust. Uh, although their their interpretation of Faust is like is really loose, it's done really loosely. But you know they their interpretation of Faust was Faust was the subject of this great game between like uh, God and the devil. But I think it was based on Marlowe's Faust, not the other. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's like there's like two big schools of of Faust. One by the Germanic author Goethe, then. Uh, then of course Marlowe, uh, and like the the take they were approaching with this Faust is more of like a classical, well not classical. It was more of the take of like um, a heaven versus hell kind of thing, and uh, what what Faust as a man would do, uh, being pulled between two forces, um, and um, they tried to reflect on that. By introducing this eschatol wow, wow. Um, this eschatology within the movie, so it's like, oh yes, there's 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 gonna be this apocalyptic end. You know, there's it's binary. You have like you know good versus evil, heaven versus hell, uh, and then you know that kind of cheesy um, cop out where you know yes, Russell Wynn is played up to be like this shady individual this entire time um where he's like a very, he's very quiet very mysterious his call you don't really know much about him uh, he, he has this cult of personality um he has some sh weird dealings uh with the church uh so you think he's, he's doing some shady stuff and then all the while like oh wait third act reveal um he, he was actually a good guy the entire time he was like a an uh, analog for the Messiah. Because he died in a car accident. Yes, yeah, he's like, he was, Russell Wynn technically died for two minutes, so he was in, and it, it was sort of like a Constantine kind of thing, where like, oh yes, two minutes uh, in the real world is like, 
a millennia in heaven because time works in a weird way and and he came back to life and then he became heaven's champion and he was the he was fated he was destined to fight against Andrew Tully uh and to to seal uh the lake of fire and it it was a happy ending quote unquote and it's like okay well it was a happy ending but uh, okay so a couple of things with the whole Russell Wynn thing so first of all, they tell you at the very beginning of they tell you at the very beginning of the second one that Russell Wynn had spent two years pulling together footage for whatever we were watching in the second one. And then at the end of the second one, the Susie, the morning announcer of Morning Mysteries, says Russell Wynn is moving his show and he's been receiving mysterious packages. And they sort of leave you with that. But in the third one, you see Russell watching footage from the second one that I don't know why he would need to watch it because he put it together so he should already know it. And there are parts of the movie where you can see that he is very well aware of what of what happened there. There's a moment where they talk about something that happened in the hotel and he looks he looks around him like he knows that that's where um Alex and Mac hung themselves so he's very aware of where he is and where he's made his home base and all of these things that are happening around him and on top of that the thing that really fucking pisses me off about this is they tried to tie all the timelines together telling basically letting on that Russell Wynn had this in as like his master plan the whole time yeah it shows you like he was there he was in the restaurant same restaurant when Alex was uh originally pitching exactly yeah and he was also there when they left the bar in the second one the night before whatever it was so here's where I have an issue with this again in a sense where you know you're going to create a trilogy why wouldn't those cameos have been in the other movies why wouldn't you have planted that seed earlier not that we would have noticed because we weren't trained to notice but that's the thing we, we but at we least you could have used footage from the other movies like you have done thus far in in this whole in this whole mockumentary style thing their whole spiel is that they reuse or reshow you old footage that they've already used in previous movies. So why wouldn't you do the same thing here? Why wouldn't you have just like inserted it somewhere? And it just like it makes me mad. It's stupid. This movie, this the this movie franchise, it falls so short with the third one. Yeah, it wants you to pay attention because like it, there's so much. It tries to put things or insert Easter eggs or little clues in the background. Um, so what they should have done in the beginning was include uh, Russell in the first and second film, which they did not, um, and they just snuck it in. They did. They retconned. They retconned the rest of the, the first two movies, um, like by means of like just adding extra footage or just um, fleshing out stuff that we didn't see beforehand. Yeah, extra storyline and shit. Like it was. Oh, there was so much of this that was just like wholly unnecessary. I will say that I would kill to see a performance like Insomnia done that way because it's very reminiscent of Sleep No More in New York City, which I haven't seen yet because it's really expensive. 
but <laughs> it looks fucking cool. <laughs> and it's kind of the same premise. They take a Shakespeare, they take a Shakespeare play. I believe it's Macbeth. Um, and they sort of, you know, pull it all apart and put together the show and people do wear masks like they do for this because the audience is supposed to be, you're all supposed to be the same. Um, and there's something also like really unnerving about watching a sea full of like white masks, <laughs> like just <laughs> very cultish, which works for this movie. This movie just, it tried way too hard. And it was really, it was such a letdown. It was so disappointing because like we said, the first one was so strong and the second one was a worthy sequel. This, this one just sucks. So was there a specific moment or scene that just really killed it for you? Or was it just like the general tone, the general execution of the movie? It was the general tone and execution of the movie. I liked the new girl. The jump scares that they had in there were, I I jumped a couple of times. I think that they were effective, but I don't think they were effective enough to save the movie, especially the ending. I, I sit there and I'm like, what the shit is this? Like, what the fuck is this now? So I get, I get very agitated when we get to the end of the movie. But there were some cool moments. It just wasn't enough to save it. So my favorite moment, my favorite scare was like, it was like, like two thirds into the movie, uh, where like um a bunch of spooky stuff has happened. Um, uh, the main character and some other technician, they're they're testing out a camera because it can't really focus right. Um, and he leaves. Uh, there's a light that goes on. Uh, in the quarter beyond, so she gets curious. She starts taking the camera. She's walking through. Uh. The hallway of white curtains. Oh yeah, that's supposed to be heaven. Yeah. Yeah, but then she starts seeing like the mannequin, the white mannequins boots follow her, um, and I love that. Like it's yes, it's not it's not the most scary thing in the world. Like you like she sees, um, uh, the mannequins move. She sees like uh like a parts of the mannequin's hand like uh reach out from uh, around the corner. But I love that. Because it just reminded me of Doctor Who, the Weeping Angels. Yeah, and it's like it's like every time she's not looking at them, the stuff is moving in the background. She turns around and they're frozen in place. It's like, oh, they totally they totally cop this from from Doctor Who and like the Weeping Angels episodes. It's just like one of the greatest Doctor Who things ever, and it's like one of the creepiest things ever. And I think they. I'm pretty sure that was like an intentional homage. I really appreciated that. So that was my favorite scare part of the movie. I thought it was really unnerving, really, really well done. Um, and and yes, we Ryan like Ryan and I didn't like this the third film, but it did have its moments, and I felt like it did have some good scares. Um, so that that short scene was what I really enjoyed. So that one was also one of my favorites where it's like behind her and you just see the head turn and the hand come up and then Jessica Fox from the second one is there and then she runs away. I thought it was effective because you anticipate something happening with the mannequins. And you anticipate 
I, I think I think the one thing in the in the in the favor of all of these movies is because of the first one, you sort of expect that you're going to see the clown or you're going to see that same girl that you've been sort of seeing throughout the the films. The fact that when she turns back around, she sees Jessica from the second one, I thought was pleasantly unexpected. Um, I like how you see more nods to the ghosts from the second and the first one of the people that we spent time with uh, in the third one. I thought that that was a nice change of pace. But that is probably the best compliment I can give this movie. <laughs> um, I did enjoy that scene. I think my my other one that I really enjoyed was um when they're after the bonfire where she's like fuck it i'll go back into the house and she goes back in and she goes down to the basement to kiss the creepy clown or not the really creepy one that's been stalking everybody the other one his friend and when she says all right fuckers i'm going into the basement and if you look behind her you see the entire cast of the original hell house is just chilling behind her and that I thought was really effective because you can kind of see them in the background, but Mac and Alex are very prominent. And that was quite an image. And then, of course, they do their thing with the other clown where his head's turned when she's done and it you don't see his head move. Yes. But it does look like he's following her with his non-eyes. Which is more effective than watching him propped up against a wall, watch his head turn, I think. So that, that scene was incredibly effective, and I did really um, enjoy that. It gets all, I think, a beautiful, well, I say beautiful because I'm sick in the head, but I think a beautiful image that they created was when the men in the cloaks, the cult members, come out from the basement and they start killing everybody. Heaven goes from being this pure white, and it is thick with blood. There are bloodstains everywhere. And that is an image, because you hear the music, and it's just, that is a fucking image. The whole thing, and it almost kills the entire movie for me, but the entire thing is fucking cheapened to shit by the fact that everyone dies. Tully gets exactly what he wants. Everyone dies. And it's almost a satisfying ending. Un until enter Russell Wynn and he closes the gate and miraculously because it was an act of God or whatever the fuck it was supposed to be that the priest said he was an angel whatever the fuck that was everybody that died in the hotel now miraculously is alive they lived because because Russell Wynn did his godly duty I, it was weird it makes doesn't make sense like, like everyone clearly died uh, but then they came back to life, so it was it was like some weird Jesus allegory. But then, like, what happened to the rest of like Alex and the rest of their gang? They're still trapped inside the house. Oh, I have th I have thoughts about that. So, okay, so here's the other thing: they made this weird point of Russell getting a delivery, a box from Father, whoever the fuck that they talked to over the course of the movie. What the fuck was in that box? We watch him go get it out of the safe. What the fuck was in the box? It wasn't holy water. Well, what was it? Did you see him use whatever it was? Because I didn't. So, right. So, so, but why? But you see, but everything, this is what, again, this is why this just adds another check in the why I hate this movie column. Because everything that Hell House does was deliberate. 
It was just a red herring. Yes, but even in the second one, there are things that are written on that chalkboard that are deliberate. When at the end of the first one, she says she's staying in 2C and it is a room at the hotel. How on the chalkboard in the second one, everybody who's about to die is checked into their own room already. Everything is deliberate. In a movie, in movies like that, where they do things deliberately and then show you why they showed them to you later, it really was like, it was so fucking stupid that this is how they chose to do that. Why make a big deal out of it? Why have us keep going back to the church and keep going back to interview this priest when nothing of that relationship is going to happen except her ability to leak Russell liquidating his his funds because he knew it would be undone after he died? I don't understand. I, I think there was it was trying to... I think it was just, it was trying to mislead the audience. But nothing about the first two misleads the audience like that. This isn't some big psychological thriller. It's a found footage movie. I think that they were trying to be way too clever. And if maybe they decided on a fourth movie, you might have pulled something off. I do also think it was a nice touch that you heard the Hell House music being played on the church organ while they were interviewing the priest. That was nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was waiting for the, the the priest to like turn around, or or like it it was weird because like I like I I felt like the the main character of the third one like uh, I mean if she did her homework she probably should have watched like the priest documentary she probably should have recognized that tune I was expecting like the the her to start hearing the 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 organ or the piano in the church start playing that and she like starts getting like a visceral like what the fuck reaction but nothing happened i was like oh that was a wasted opportunity i mean the priest's demeanor changed a little bit but it wasn't nearly enough of a payoff there's a lot about this movie that fucking enrages me so let's go right to the end where um russell does his godly duty and shuts the gate and you see the original cast of Hell House um, come back, and every and it's everything is fine, but it's sort of like this muted white light is, or, or like muted whitish blue light is like all around them. It's like they're in purgatory. That's what I. They're like in purgatory or limbo or some shit, but it doesn't explain Russell. Russell was like, "We died here. I closed the gate. That's why I'm stuck here. But you fucking opened it." So that's why you're stuck here. So yeah, it's like this is their fault. You, you guys are in purgatory. You you help that you help the you help Andrew Tully. So you guys are gonna be chilling here. Um. So forever. Yeah. Forever. But like, so I'm not. Obviously, I don't like to get a great deal into religion when it comes to horror movies or like anything really. Like I'm not. It's not a conversation I care to have. However. Is Russell there because even though he did the ultimate sacrifice and he did the godly thing and like closed the gate, is it because he sacrificed himself and that's a form of quote unquote suicide that he's stuck in purgatory with the rest of them? Like, I, is he there? I think it's. I feel it's like a thing of like is no a, a no uh, no good deed goes unpunished kind of thing. Um. So may like I don't know I don't know I don't recall if. Uh, I don't recall how the car crash happened. If that was an accident, well, yeah, they said it was an accident. Did they? Mm-hmm. Okay. It was a car I was accident. gonna say because like I I was a little bit fuzzy on the detail because 
if they were trying to pull a Constantine, where if Russell Wynn, like, uh, you know, attempted suicide by crashing his car intentionally, but then he was brought back to life, and then he was given a second chance, and his second chance of rejection is like, yeah, you go, you'll be, you have a second life, but, you know, it's not for free. You're going to be, you're going to get, be given a chance to do some good, uh, and, um, you know, your soul will be saved, but in the end, you know, you still have to, there's still a price to pay. Like, I felt that was, that's like a very, I felt they were going for a very Constantini ending. So here's the thing. Instead of, here's an idea. Instead of showing that whole red herring with the priest that we all thought was going to have some sort of payoff, they have newspaper clippings to a whole bunch of shit spliced throughout this movie. And again, the whole gimmick of this film is, of these films, is to use footage, like documentary style footage. So how come we didn't see like, sideways cell phone footage of millionaire Russell Wynn's car accident or a newspaper clipping or something like that. Like that could have been something if you're going to play out the I am God's sword bullshit. Why didn't you use that? You have the trope already in place with these two films. Why didn't you use it? Oversight, sloppy writing. (laughs) It just, it just it, this whole movie just makes it just makes me so mad. It makes me so mad, Chris. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, you didn't like it, right? Yeah, I I didn't. No, not really. Like I, I there's a couple jump scares I enjoy, but this movie is just like, oh god. <laughs> um, I mean, there was more opportunity for Andrew Tully. Like Andrew Tully came out of nowhere and just started like plucking the eyes out of one of the actors. That was pretty cool. I like how they start playing with him too, like it's part of the show. But they know like he's not there. Yeah, they're, they're still improving. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. The third one we could have done without. Even the second one, even this I mean, I I I would really wish uh Hell House which is a one and done kind of film, but we can you know, pretend I, it is. I, 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 we could pretend. Yeah, but I I honestly didn't know it was originally conceived to be a trilogy from the get-go. I have so much hatred for the third one. Yeah, well, we could, we could, you know, we'll just not, we'll just not remember, we'll, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just release this episode, and we'll never talk about it ever again. Okay. Well, Chris, you like rewriting endings. What would you have done for the third one instead the of third what one? we watched? Yeah. Um, Seeing as this has to be a trilogy, if you had to create a third one, Based on the first two, what would you have done? Mm, putting me on the spot. Oh, God. Uh, you would have had more Andrew Tully. We know that. Oh, yeah, more Andrew Tully. Um, actually, I, well, one of the things that I, I, I guess it was because of budgetary concerns, but Andrew Tully was so hell-bent on, on this in, the, the impending doom and utter importance of this particular ritual because he was saying stuff like oh yes it is time the beast has arrived and uh so it it seems to imply that like like he has gathered enough souls for like the ultimate hotel guest to come and uh come out from like the ninth level of hell himself i i I don't know i didn't i didn't really think like the i would probably cut out the russell when Subplot is the main focus of 
the group maybe maybe the movie takes place even further beyond um that it was like uh it, it was set in like 2025 or some like some like a long time uh after the abaddon tapes were uh posted so um and then you, you you could still borrow elements of the second movie where uh there continues to be um spooky disappearances like maybe some more youtubers disappearing um um some more kids entering on a dare um uh I think you know. I think it would have been an interesting, maybe an interesting thing would have been like um, maybe like a construction crew or demolition crew is doing a survey or uh, or some or some maybe it could have been like a throwaway vignette where some company was was interested in buying the property and tearing it down, um, and some demolition expert is doing a survey throughout the house. Uh, recording stuff for research, and then they mysteriously disappear. Um, maybe that, maybe that uh, demolition crew belonged to the Wind Media Group. Maybe they, maybe the Wind Media Group was planning to buy um, this, and then they pulled out um, at the last minute because um, you know some one of the employees mysteriously disappeared, and they wanted to hush it up. They didn't want a scandal, and then it, it just go it extends in the future like the. The the haunted house is even more decrepit, even more of an eyesore, even more of a uh, a blistering welt on the town of Abaddon. And um, I would have I would have focused more on the end game, um, where Andrew Tully like reveals his final plan, like he's gonna create like this more fantastical cult activity resulting in a ton of deaths like it, what happened in the third film and um maybe maybe not with like bad cgi because like i could see this i could see this go horribly horribly wrong with bad cgi but um I'm, <laughs> i don't know how the journey will take us there but i think the final thing would be um uh, another maybe maybe it'll be insomnia or an analog or maybe it's uh another like a, another amateur sleuthing organization just doing uh, uh another piece but uh they they bear witness to Tolly's ultimate accusations they actually summon the beast uh i guess an easy way to do it um without having to resort to really bad cgi is that you see whoever's the main character whoever's the main or who's doing all of the main recording or appearing the most on the camera uh they get ritually sacrificed and then uh the the beast inhabits them and and now they're now they're in society um and you know they're they're walking among us something like that like i just want the beast to be real and and like and then it, uh, kind of uh, kind of like a, th a throwback to like hereditary you see andrew tully and his cultists just kneel before the the thing and they're like you hail payment <laughs> and like or something like that yeah so that's 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 kind of the direction i would like to go i mean for all of its misgivings aside i've already 
corrected this movie 65 million different ways. But I think that I like Chris's idea. Oh, thanks. But it's all, but it's very you. And I love, I love it. I love your mind is, I I love your brain. Oh, thanks. I love your brain too. (laughs) I think that if there was a way to successfully pull this off, I would like to see something um, sort of along the lines of a very big jump into the future. Like, like 2025, 2050, how long? I mean, so this was supposed to be, what, 2019, 2020, if we're doing math correctly, which this trilogy does not do. Again, if you're striving to create a timeline based in a mockumentary style, get your fucking dates right. It just really, like, it's such, honestly, it's, it's such a minute detail, but it really pisses me off. So, okay, putting that aside. If we jump ahead 2023, 2025, whatever it was. Let's jump ahead and say that just like just like what happened with Russell Wynn, the hotel was scheduled to be torn down, but someone really wealthy bought it. Cool. That's fine. That premise is fine. Instead of the whole Russell Wynn plot, though, I would like to see something sort of what happened with the um, Villasica house from the Villasa. I'm saying the na- I'm totally butchering this name of this town in Iowa, but the axe murders that took place in 1912. The house is real, and they left it. They, like, restored it to how it was in 1912. And you can pay to stay there for a night. As it is. Like, the owner will leave, and you can stay there for the night. As it is. So it's kind of kind of like a bottle episode, like Grave Encounters, you mean? Kind of, yeah. Exactly okay. like that. Okay. Or in, like, or kind of like, um, like, some of the furniture is very much the same, but it's not, like, in, um... The Lizzie Borden house, it's now a bed and breakfast. Kind of like that, but um, it's not... They're all replicas. It's not It's not like the original stuff or anything like that. Although I would kill to see, like... You know, anyway, that's a whole different thing. Um, but I would like to see something like the, ex, the Villasica um, ex-murder house, where someone has taken this hotel and restored it to its original glory as Andrew Tully had it when he was running it. Because the big thing that they say in the first one is that Andrew Tully modeled this tiny hotel after the H.H. Holmes Hotel in Chicago, where they had staircases and rooms that lead to nowhere and hallways that lead to nowhere because guests checked in, but they never checked out. I would love to see whether it's an amateur ghost hunting group or whatever it is i would love for the premise to be this hotel has been restored to its former glory just like andrew tully would have had it it's actually open for business whether open for business or you can do whatever they do in the axe murder house and you can stay there for that whatever it is i would love to see something like that i think even that as We've seen it already, but even that, I think, would have been more successful than what we got. You can still do the whole Lake of Fire thing, because ultimately, Andrew Tully still gets what he wants. People are going to stay there. And if you take one every couple of years or whatever, I mean, if you want to tie in the whole, the person that's been there the whole time is dead, the person checking you in is Andrew Tully, if that's the route you want to go. But even then, like... Oh, yeah, Andrew Tully's like the concierge. But you know what? I'd be okay with that. That's fine. We've seen it done to death. Who gives a shit? All of these movies, they have that one little thing that they give you where they're like, we've seen it before, but here's how we decided to do it for this movie. Fine, whatever. That's fine. But even that, I think, would be better than the shit that we got. 
So that's just, that's how I feel. So, yes, we volunteer to retcon the series. Yes. Just, not even the series, just retcon, retcon the third movie. I'll be, I'll, let's leave the second one. The second one's just, it's fine. It's fine. It's not Is it great. fine? Is it it's fun, right? <laughs> it's fine. Okay. <laughs> Don't <suck> it. <laughs> Um, but let, please wreck on the third one because the third one is lifeless and joyless and I hate all of it. <laughs> Alright, ratings. Yes? Uh, I would give number number two three out of five guess. Um, I mean, it's definitely not as good as the original, but uh, I did appreciate the the lore they tried to expand upon, you know, I just love Andrew Tully, his actor, just chew the scenery. Uh, I think that was perfect casting. And and I, they had some pretty good scares. I, I just thought that the writing wasn't as clean or as, um, as tight as the first film. And then for the third film, uh, I would probably give it maybe two and a half out of five guess uh or maybe maybe a two maybe two guess out of five because um like the 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 entire russell wins subplot like it they tried too much but at the same time they didn't think it through enough um i didn't think it i think they tried cramming the russell win uh art uh story thread really ham-fisted or like not gracefully into the 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 tapestry of the other two i didn't think the reveal or the, i didn't even i didn't even know it was trying to go for a twist ending like oh and russell win was the good guy the entire time we just mistrusted him or missed or we just misjudged them i i didn't even, even get that emotional catharsis uh i thought the the ending was just um, I mean, up every I I was enjoying. I was having a ball uh, until, especially when uh, the the cultists just started going crazy and killing people. Uh, it was I thought that was a that was a cool cool scene. I also thought some of the jump scares, especially that mannequin, was nice. So I it did have its upward selling points, but I the it just the everything with Russell Wynn, um, just it wasn't enough to save it. Um, I thought, yeah, so. Oh, uh, and I, I, and I didn't think it was it was the right way to to end it on, especially the weird limbo purgatory lost kind of ending. I was like, oh well, okay. Uh, I don't know what you're trying to do. Like that's kind of, I mean, it's it doesn't really follow its own internal logic of what its cosmology or what how heaven or hell is supposed to work. It just just seemed really inconsistent. So those are my thoughts on. Uh, second and third one. So for the second one, I agree with Chris. I will give it three out of five guests. But for the first one, I give it a 1.5 out of five only because I feel like they butchered the whole franchise. Um, I think that the jump scares that I did like weren't enough to save how fucking abysmal this movie was. <laughs> I really hated it, y'all. Like, I really hated it. So. Yeah. Yeah, this one wasn't good. Um, that aside, the second one is great. Just, just <laughs> stick with the first one. 
pretend it's a one-off. If you're feeling adventurous, watch the second one. You could do without the third. Someone, it, read the comments on Shudder for the third one. You'll get the gist. <laughs> you don't read the reviews. You don't. You don't need to watch this movie. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll save you the trouble. Just don't watch the third one. It's it's you'll you'll be fine without it. It really like it's so lackluster and it doesn't conclude anything um extremely well and it really just doesn't add anything to this so i i could do without it what uh i guess my last thing before we uh we check out of this hotel is would you uh would you ever want to see hell house remade no no the only the only remake of hell house I think should be done is the third movie. You shouldn't touch the first one. I think it's a gem of a movie. The second one is is a worthy follow-up. It's not as strong as the first. There's nothing wrong with those two movies. Please, for the love of shit, don't touch them. They're little indie darlings. They need to stay that way. I, I think that they add something to the found footage genre and they can stand on their own two feet. Just leave them alone. If you're gonna... If you're going to give the retcon or the reboot treatment to any one of these movies, it's the third one. It's the third one. That That's really it. There's no reason to go near these movies. I mean, period. But if you're going to, just the third one. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, I think, right. I think, uh, unless Andrew Tully has anything to say about it, uh, we're going to go get on out of here. <laughs> Um, like a fire, <laughs> I hear it has zero out of five star ratings. So, uh, uh, how about we check out? You got it. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, thank you for listening to another episode of Love for Dread. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Everything helps. You can listen to us on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify every Friday. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Left for Dread Pod. You can find us on Facebook, and you can check us out on our website at leftfordread.com. Uh, and as we, uh, as we are packing up and embarking on a, uh, a road trip somewhere else in, a, in, in this spoopy country of ours, right, uh, what movie are we watching while we're driving on the road? I am so happy that we are finally breaking ground and we are diving or not diving, but we are dipping our toe rather into the world of Guillermo del Toro. We are finally getting into the devil's backbone and Pan's labyrinth. I'm just so fucking excited. Very excited. I haven't uh, seen Pan's labyrinth in forever. Uh, we love del Toro here. That, uh, uh, for those who don't know, we're going to bury the lead. Ron, I really love Del Toro, so, <laughs> so it's gonna be it's gonna be a very fun episode. So yes, I'm very excited. So this is us just like tipping our toe in. It's not the lot. We are not. We are definitely coming back to him. I think we're doing two Guillermo Del Toro episodes back to back. Oh yeah, because well we have we have like uh the what's it called the uh, Crimson Peak and on scary stories to uh, tell in the yeah. dark. So we're dipping our toes into Guillermo del Toro for the next two weeks. So get ready for that. Um, we're both super fucking excited. So stay tuned. Watch those movies with us. And then get ready for all the del Toro love. Um, get excited because we are. 
And as always, uh, stay dreadful. <laughs> You're insane.